Hello, and before we get started with this week's episode of Rising as One Podcast, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising, the Beautiful Game Network, and Oro Brewing Company. You can check out Firebird Rising on the web at firebirdrising.corair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm, and Oro Brewing Company is located in downtown Mesa, so if you're out in the East Valley, go check them out, and remember to use the code word RISING after any Phoenix Rising win for happy hour pricing. We would also like to thank our listeners for the continued support. If you enjoy this podcast, please do us a favor and leave us some feedback on iTunes or drop us a line on Twitter at RisingPod. Let's get to the show. Welcome to this episode of Rising as One Podcast. My name is Matt Trainer, and I'm joined here by Jeff Went and Dominic Kearns. Guys, um, got a lot to talk about with the uh, the big win last night against Sacramento Republic at home. Uh, picked up three big points against uh, number five in the Western Conference in a three to one uh, victory. There's a lot of other news to talk about. There was a new signing this week for midfielder Gladson Awako. Omar Bravo, uh, there has been a statement released about Omar Bravo's status. We've all been kind of wondering that this past week. And also, there was some um, controversy this weekend at the Phoenix Rising match in the supporters section with uh, some signage that was up. Dominic, do you want to kind of talk about that for a second? Yeah, I just want to uh, make it very clear. We will get to the Bandidos sign issue towards the end of the episode because it's definitely something that's been heavily discussed online the last few hours. And the team released an official statement. Los Bandidos released an official statement. Uh, even Rising in America had an interesting response to it all. So we will definitely get to that. But since we are a podcast that covers the team, I think our primary focus should be what happened on the field because this was an incredible performance, our best match of the season. Um, so enjoy that part, and I promise you we will get to the Bandidos talk later in the show. It was an awesome match. I mean, it looked like a completely different team this week. I mean, just they were executing on every single level at, at every aspect. Um, Jeff, why don't you take us into the highlights of that match? Yeah, let's talk about this great victory by uh, Phoenix Rising over Sacramento Republic. Uh, obviously, the boys came out in a four-two-three-one formation with the interesting changes being that uh, you know we were all expecting Amadou Dia and, and Duigi Mala to come back into the lineup after their one-game red card suspensions. Uh, but it actually ended up being Victor Vasquez and Cody Wakasa in the back, along with uh, Peter Ramage and, and Jordan Stewart. An interesting decision by uh, Coach Carter Roan to go with that foursome. Uh, it was nice to see uh, uh, Kevon Lambert get a get a start in the midfield, uh, playing holding mid with with Matt Watson. Uh, you saw Jason Johnson on the left hand side with uh, Sean Wright Phillips in the middle, Alessandro Rigi on the right hand side uh, of your midfield, and then up top Chris Cortez and boy guys. I mean, you can't expect for a better start than what we saw from the boys. 15 seconds right into the match. Kick, uh, 
get possession out to the left with Jason Johnson. A couple of great moves by Johnson. He throws it into the middle, and fortunately, I guess you could say, it goes right through the legs of Sean Wright Phillips, but right to the feet of Alessandro Rigi, who takes a couple of dribbles, gets in some space, and just fires a shot just over the top of Evan Newton uh, and over the bar. I mean, guys, you can't ask for a better start than that coming right out of the gate 15 seconds and moving the ball up the field like that so quickly. But it was it was great to see that happen right away. Really can't. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the Rigi shot in a, in a little more detail. But, man, I think everyone thought that was going in when it was developing. So, Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of uh, couple of great efforts. You know, get a, pick up a corner kick in the fourth minute, get a ramage floater trying to, to beat uh, Evan Newton but couldn't quite do it. Uh, then we earn another corner in the ninth minute. And right off the bat, beautiful corner by, by Sean Wright Phillips. Even beautiful, more uh, enjoyable header from Chris Cortez. Uh, if you haven't seen the shot on Firebird Rising, uh, go check out the shot that Aaron Blau took uh, of Cortez getting his head on the ball for that opening goal. Uh, just a thing of beauty, a, a great service from Sean Wright Phillips, a great great get by Chris Cortez. Evan Newton had no chance at it. Uh, one nothing Phoenix right off the bat. Great to see that. And the two almost hooked up again three minutes later. I had another corner kick, and Cortez had it and just missed it right over the top. Uh, you know, that would have been great to see two goals in three minutes and, and from the same two guys, you know, happening again. But, uh, you know, for, for Chris Cortez, this was one of his best uh, games of the season coming back from his injury. Uh, he was all over the field in the first half, uh, was was on the left, on the right, you know, even with with uh, Sacramento playing five in the back, they just couldn't control. They couldn't control Phoenix Rising, and you know, seeing so much space was a shock to me. As you've got five defenders stacking across the back, but here you've got Regi taking dribble after dribble after dribble. You've got Jason Johnson who's beating guys left and right on that left hand side wing. Uh, you know, dribbling around them. Just, I mean. I don't know if Sacramento just came in not thinking straight or, you know, maybe they were still, you know, tired from their 2-2 draw on Wednesday against Swope Park Rangers, but they just did not look like the same team that they've been most of this season, and and I was very surprised to see the way they played. So we get into the 18th minute, and, uh, you know, Vasquez had a cross to Sean, to Cortez. Uh, Cortez put it right on net with Evan Newton making a save. Then... Finally, we get to Sacramento's first, you know, chance of the game. I mean, I wouldn't even call it, it was a shot, but, you know, uh, Emmerich Clementa uh, throws a shot wide of net. Nothing really too bad that Chris Cor- uh, that uh, Carl Wazinski had to deal with. Their first shot came in the 41st minute from uh, Wilson Nishaw. Uh, Carl Wazinski had no troubles with that. Uh, and then... Right at the end of the first half, Sean Wright Phillips had a nice shot through traffic that Evan Newton had to make a diving save to his left. Uh, you know, but all in all, in that first half, as, as Phoenix Rising, you know, takes the one nothing lead at the half, you could just sit there and you could see the pressure building up, and the pressure building up. And again, you look at the stats, and the stats bear out the fact that that yeah, Sacramento had most of the possession in the first half. They were playing a, a lot in the back with it, playing a lot in the midfield with it. You didn't see a lot of forward movement with it. And again, Phoenix Rising making the most of the possession time that they had, making good moves, making solid crosses from from the outside. 
seeing Sean Wright Phillips uh, dribbling through traffic, seeing Alessandro Rigi finding space. I mean, guys, you couldn't have asked for a better first half. What do you think, Dominic? Yeah, I mean, like you said, just to come out in the first 20 seconds with an excellent goal-scoring chance, um, you really can't ask for anything better than that. And like I was saying before, Rigi had the ball from about 15 yards out inside the box, and there was definitely a pretty big opening. He went correctly for the shot in the air, kind of like a laser shot, but it just went over the bar. And yet that did not deter us at all. You have to love Cortez's start because he doesn't get to be in the starting 11 every week. And it seems like when he is in that starting lineup, he always makes the most of it. He's always very energetic, trying to do his part, move into good spaces. And in the first 15 minutes, he's putting his head on three balls. You know, obviously there's a goal, but there's another chance in the 11th minute that was a little bit wide. Another one that forced a save. So you got to love his activity Rigi, surprisingly, even though he was trying hard, he actually missed a few passes there. But then Jason Johnson, in that first 20 minutes, I think he earned three or four corner kicks just by getting past the initial defender, just absolutely abusing their poor right back with step overs, and then forcing uh, you know blocked crosses into the box for three or four corners. He's the one that set up the goal for us to win that corner kick that Sean Wright Phillips brought into the box. So he was just, even before the goal he had in the second half, he was doing great. And then there were definitely a little bit more nervy moments as the half went on, as we were really allowing Sacramento to have most of the possession. But as you were saying, Jeff, we limited their chances, and I think a lot of the credit, once again, has to go to Cody Wakasa and Victor Vazquez, Two guys who we have really criticized, especially early in the year when they were still learning on the job. It seems like they are much more comfortable with Patrice Carterone's setup. And I can point to at least two or three instances where Victor Vasquez was under some serious pressure and made a big-time clearance, kept his composure with a Sacramento Republic player or two on his back to uh, find a find a teammate and get the ball out. You know, very composed performances from our back line. Sacramento really only had one or two chances of note, and they were half chances at that. Carl didn't have to make any huge saves. So, I mean, all the way around, very, very, very impressive stuff from us. But I was talking with Jeff at halftime and saying, you know, I really would love us to get a second goal early in the second half, create a bit of a cushion because they are getting a lot of possession. And if it stays a one-goal game for a while, it's going to be a nervy finish, and you don't want to put your defense under that kind of stress. I mean, anytime you start the match out with a shot on goal and 15 seconds into it, you know you're in for a pretty fun match. Um, just from, from the get-go, I mean, the whole first half, it looked like they just you know controlled the match. They looked like the better team out there for sure um, with their short passes were great. I mean, they were just... They were connecting on all levels, um, something that, you know, I don't recall seeing to this level so far this season. You know, another big player again for this first half was uh, Jason Johnson. I mean, you know, as Dominic was saying, he created, what, three corners early on. But uh, just overall, his the ball movement that he has, just trying to, uh, you know, break the ankles of those defenders and just get into them. It was pretty fun to watch, especially since it was, like, right up there by the supporter section. So, um, and we had a really close view of, 
just the the level of skill that he has. Um, but no, that first half was awesome. Uh, by far the the best first half that I think we've seen all season. Um, and they carried that on through the rest of the match. I thought. So let's get into the second half of play. And uh, if you if you didn't get your beer quick enough, uh, you missed a lot. Um, <laughs> wow. What do you, what do you say about the first five minutes of this second half? I mean. Like you said, Dominic, you wanted to see a second goal right away early in the second half, and you have to wait long, 48th minute. What a play. Jason Johnson gets the ball to Chris Cortez. What a beautiful pass, first of all, by Jason Johnson to get it out on the wing, pass the defender to Chris Cortez. Cortez stops on a dime, throws it back into the middle for Jason Johnson, left foots it right past Evan Newton. It's 2 nothing right away, and you're thinking, boy, this is just what they needed to get the second half started, and this is going to get them going on the rest of the way. But you got to credit Sacramento for not giving up. Comes back two minutes later. Uh, Cazares gets a shot off. Carl tries to, to make a save, tries tries to get hands on it. Can't quite get a hand on it. Let's the rebound get a little bit too far away. Trevin Caesar. Uh, follows up on that shot, gets an easy rebound, poke in, and now it's 2-1, and everybody's thinking, okay, now now it's a game again. But a minute later, uh, Peter Ramage. I mean, we've been waiting to see a lot from Peter Ramage this year, especially on set pieces. We didn't really need it on a set piece here. It was more of uh, kind of a, a interesting play in the box. It just got tossed in there, and and Peter happened to find Peter Ramage, and Ramage got it past Evan Newton, and it's three-one. And now they're back up on the back, uh, back up on the front foot again, and 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 really feeling control of this match. I think you could really see at that point when they get to three-one, you could see it kind of took the air out of the Sacramento players. And even though Sacramento kept trying to push, they could really never amount to a lot the rest of this match. A lot of what you saw the rest of the match ended up being in, in Phoenix Rising's favor. Uh, you know, a great there was a great play in the 62nd minute where Johnson, Cortez, and Rigi hooked up. And I thought Rigi was going to put this one in the back of the net too. But just... Uh, uh, Evan Newton happened to be at the right place at the right time and just hit him right square in the chest. But, I mean, that was a great link-up play between the three of them. The last chance you really saw from Sacramento came in the 78th minute uh, with Caesar putting a shot on short side, but he just missed it. Uh, a couple of subs came in. You got Gavin coming in for Regina in the 81st. You had Sam Hamilton come in for Matt Watson in the 83rd. Then you saw Amadou Dia come in right at the end at the 90th minute for Sean Wright Phillips. Um, guys, there's one other, one other player I want to point out in this 3-1 victory that I thought really played a very strong, very solid game. And for his first 90 minutes on the field, to see Kevon Lambert do what he did last night, I mean, there were two or three times where Lambert took it from inside Phoenix half, taking it 40, 50 yards down the field with no pressure whatsoever, you can't ask for anything better but to have a situation like that where you can have a guy as big as he is, as strong as he is, and be able to take a ball that far and move with it and not have to worry about anything. But I, I thought Kevon Lambert played an excellent game last night. Dominic, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, a few things about those early goals. So 
I've probably mentioned it once or twice before, you know, different people enjoy different styles of soccer. Me, personally, I love counterattacks. It's my favorite type of goal when you just blitz the defense. It's breathtaking. It's rapid fire. It's the one moment where soccer feels like basketball on a fast break. And that's how the second goal was. It was just scintillating stuff. It was a high-quality MLS caliber goal where, as you said before, Johnson plays it in beautifully to um, Cortez. And then Cortez, under t- under pressure, he had a couple guys on him. He slid it back in the box, perfectly weighted ball with his weak foot, by the way, and you know finds Johnson, who just one-touches it with a very small window uh, right past the keeper. You know, there's probably a two-foot window between his hand and the goal post, the left post, rolls it right in there, and boom, how huge of a goal is that? Because it gives you that cushion, which ends up being so important when Sacramento scores right afterwards. Um, by the way, Trevin Caesar, the goal scorer for Sacramento, he was a sub that came on right after halftime, kind of a right place, right time situation. Um, you know, there's some chat about, did Carl do enough on that play? Uh, perhaps he could have parried the ball with closed fists instead of trying to grab it and not quite getting his mitts on it. It was a pretty tough shot. He had to make a good save on the first one. Um, But again, he made a couple huge saves later as that game went on. There was one where the defense gave a Sacramento player way too much space, and he drilled a low shot and was fully extended to make that save. So uh, you can't really fault him. And then the third goal... Again, Cortez is the instigator here. Uh, kind of a ball bouncing around in the box. He puts it in, and Ramage gets the goal. And like you said, kind of took the win out of their sails. But I want to say, Chris Cortez, not only with the goal, but with two assists last night. He was involved in every single goal. And I, how do you keep him out of the starting lineup? Especially now that Bravo is no longer uh, active on our roster. I just don't know how you can keep him out, how you can keep Jason Johnson out. I mean, what are you going to do when Drogba's back healthy? Because there are too many good options up there unless you start going to a 4-3-3 or a 3-4-3. And I don't I don't see us going to three backs or, uh, you know, three up top anytime soon. That doesn't seem to be Carteron's style. Um, and then really nice to see Rising just kind of see this one out. Most of the best chances after 3-1 actually were generated by us. And it's exactly how you want to finish a game like that. Limit the opposing chances, counterattack on the breaks with the Rigi chance. Uh, I think there were one or two other glorious opportunities. Um, Just a really, really solid performance all the way around. And that that Johnson-Cortez goal was just absolutely breathtaking. I mentioned this before the show. Uh, when I was speaking with Matt and Jeff, if Johnson puts in more shifts like that, he's going to have some MLS teams sending scouts to our matches pretty soon because he had a chance to play MLS for a little bit before we signed him. And it looks like he's really taken the next step the last couple months. Uh, Ever since that Reno match where he got benched, he has been an absolute beast, always getting into the right spots, whether he's scoring or creating chances. He has been absolutely electric, consistently running past the uh, midfielders and the right back that were trying to contain him. It's it's just, he is so quick and so clinical. 
that's how he's been these last two months. So if he puts in more shifts like that, we're going to be fine moving forward. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully if he does play for an MLS team, it's for Phoenix Rising and we get the bid because <laughs> we don't want to lose him. <laughs> Not at all. Um, you know, having uh, JJ and Rigi last night, I thought was awesome just to watch their level of pressure that they were putting on Sacramento defense. I mean, and, and then again, with both of them, with the control of that ball, I mean, it was just, it's insane. It was really good to see. Um, and we've really needed a performance like this for quite a while. I mean, um, how many times have we got gone into the last 10 minutes or stoppage time and just had devastating uh, misplays or calls and losing points in those last 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes? Um, so this week it was it was really great to see that they kind of maintained their level of play, their energy throughout the entire match, um, and even held on those last 10 minutes really strong defensively. Uh, you know, one thing that I noticed was really nice to see was, um, I think it was in the, you know, 75th to 80th minute time frame. Um, Phoenix was just holding on to that ball, just passing it around the midfield. I mean, they were just connecting. I, I felt like they had that ball for like two minutes, just controlling possession, it just letting the clock go down. It was absolutely beautiful to watch because we've never really, we haven't been in the position to do that so far this season or as of lately, especially. So it was really nice to to be able to do that. Those were my final thoughts of the match. Then we're heading heading in next Saturday against Seattle Sounders 2 at home. Seattle Sounders is currently 10th in the West, right behind us, right on our heels, one point behind at 29 with nine wins, 13 losses, and two draws. Uh, what do you guys think about this upcoming match? Well, a couple of interesting guys to talk about, you know, there with Seattle, obviously Zach Mathers, their top score, nine goals on the season for, for them. Uh, Jason Parra has, or I'm sorry, Irvin Parra has six goals, six assists on the season. Those are a couple of big guys to watch, you know, for them. Obviously, they've given up a lot of goals this year. Their main goaltender, Tyler Miller, uh, 29 goals allowed in 15 appearances. He's had to make 46 saves, which is a lot of saves to have to make for a goalkeeper, obviously, at this point of the season. I mean, that's, you know... And you have to remember, they're also playing a Wednesday match this week, so they're going to be coming in on tired legs on a Saturday on a road trip after a home game. It'll be really interesting to see how these boys come out Saturday knowing that they're playing a team again who's played a midweek match. Can they get on the top foot early, push them forward, and get an early goal like they did this last week? If they can do that, three points should not be a problem in this match. Yeah, I I love this I love the way that this is setting up for this Saturday. Um, Sounders has won two matches in a row, but those two matches were against, I believe, um, Whitecaps 2 and Portland Timbers 2, so really not top-quality opposition there. Um, They're actually going to have a very taxing matchup against Tulsa in the midweek on Wednesday night, and that's going to be in Seattle. Uh, So... I would assume that they're going to have to spend a lot of energy if they want to get anything from that match. And if they can draw that match, that would be even better. But um, then they're going to have to come to our building. We're going to have a full week of rest. They haven't played anywhere this season that's as hot as our stadium is in early September. And, I mean, these are the kind of matches, if you want to make a real run at a top six seed, which we are in position to do, because we're only five points back of Sacramento now, and they're in fifth. These are the matches you have to take all three from, and if we play even 80% of what we did yesterday night, I don't think three points is going to be much of an issue. 
Yeah, I think if they uh, continue that level of play to finish off this season, you know, on this this um, run that we have coming up with some easier opponents, um, I think we're going to rack up a lot of points pretty quickly. Just what we need. Yeah, that is that is definitely true. I mean, it's going to be you know this, these last two games of this homestand plus the four games coming up on the Cascadia trip. We keep talking about this week in week out. Those are obviously going to be huge uh, huge games going forward. Uh, here are the comments now from uh, head coach Patrice Carterone, uh and comments from Chris Cortez and Jason Johnson uh, following last night's match uh, against Sacramento Republic. Obviously a huge three points to get this homestand started on the right foot. Yeah, not easy for us because, you know, um, last night with the result of uh, Oklahoma, uh, a good one uh, against uh, uh, against uh, Orange County. So we know uh, before this game that we have many we have many games to play comparing to our opponent, but we need points if you want to to uh, to be ready for the battle of the of the playoffs. So it was very important for us to start this uh, this series of game home by uh, by three points against a very good uh, team of Sacramento. We know about so really I'm very proud about uh, the attitude of the player. We are not that lucky the last game away. You know we drew two times. We could have won two times. We won in LA and after two uh, two points away, but we could have won those games. Well, uh, we lost player as you know, yellow card, red card, and. Uh, Two time we concede goal in the in the last minute, so really I'm so so happy and proud tonight that we play with more confidence. We had some difficult moments, but really uh, there was also a lot of quality uh, in the game today. Many good passes, many many offensive uh, interesting situation for us. Jason Johnson, very good game. Chris Cortez, Sean Watt Phillips, Alessandro Rigi, uh, all of them offensively were really good today. We could have scored more goals. And defensively, we were uh, we had a good uh, good intensity in the duel. So I'm really happy for our fans because they deserve those three points tonight. And they deserve that kind of game. So we are progressing step by step, and I'm really proud tonight about uh, our game. Two wins, two draws in the last four games. Talk about the back line and how much improved they have shown in this in this streak right now. I uh, you know um, I came very late this season. It's not easy for the player because I had to know more from them and they had to learn from me also. So it takes time. Football is not that easy to change uh, everything. Right now, I think we are on the on a positive uh, vibe. We are playing uh, better week after week and. Uh, not, we have a good, uh, you know, many players can play right now, they're ready physically, uh, most of them are ready physically, we can see that uh, no matter Victor Vasquez is starting on the left side or DR right now, we have uh, all the players ready, so we are ready, uh, as I said, we are ready now for the battle of the, of the playoff. And the defense, I would have liked them to, to have a clean sheet, but uh, anyway, the three points are more, more important than anything else and uh, we must keep on uh, progressing like this. It's obviously for uh, for Josh to be out, you know, with the injury that he does have. But Carl has stepped up quite well in his absence. Talk about his play recently. Really, I'm really I'm I'm really lucky because we have two fantastic goalkeepers. Uh, they have uh, every day at the training, no matter if they start uh, or if uh, they are on the bench. Two of them are really a fantastic, very good attitude. One has the experience, Carl, and one is very young, 24 years old for a goalkeeper. Is very young, so. Josh uh, must keep on progressing, but he's, uh, he has a, an amazing potential. So I really believe uh, in two of them, and I'm sure that they can, two of them can keep on progressing and uh, 
Anzac City. Obviously, they played Wednesday night and having to come in here off of three days. But seeing your guys get on the front foot right away, even within the first 15 seconds of the match, had to make you pleased as to what you have been seeing from them as of late. Uh, we had work. Uh, we had work this week physically because we knew that uh, they, it was the third game for them of the week. So I really had the feeling that if we work uh, hard physically this week, we would be better than them physically. That's uh, of course uh, the kind of detail we must consider the staff to, to prepare the, the player to be ready. And also it's a good experience for us because as you know in a few days we, we will have next week starting from next week. We will play every uh, three days. That's why uh, from now I have to pay attention. Uh, for example, tonight I decided that Blair Gavin, that was fantastic the last game, to, to let him rest on the bench. It was also the opportunity for Kevin Lambert to, to start a game home, 90 minutes. He did a great game also. So as I just told you, I'm really happy because uh, most of our players are progressing, are getting better week after week, and, uh, and it's a good moment for us to, to be 100%. And I know Didier is one of those types of players that just changes the game out there completely, but it's nice to see that you have players that can come in for in sure. his absence and fill in in such a role. For sure, that's very important. Also, you know, sometimes when you have uh, that kind of fantastic player like Didier, the other players don't realize that also themselves they can uh, prove that they are good players. So I'm happy that the offensive players also have uh, more confidence right now and understand that as DJ is not here, we have to give more for us to be uh, as good offensively as we are when DJ is playing. So um, I'm happy about the result and happy about the performance of uh, most of them. And, uh, and it's good for us, of course, mentally it's fantastic for us to have those three points tonight and to be back in the, in the top nine. And it's obviously key with a big game coming up next week against yeah. a team that's right near that, that point level, as in yeah. Seattle is. Sure. Sure, this, uh, this game and after a few days after uh, Orange County and after... We, we know that we are the team that has the more games to play till the end. So we know that everything in, uh, is uh, in our hands. That's why uh, I could feel that the players were really motivated and uh, we don't want anymore to, uh, to have a look... Uh, in the team in front of us, we have to. We need points to, to be back in the in the playoff. Thank you. It's obviously key to get three huge points against one of the teams on the top of the conference, Sacramento tonight. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think for us, um, it's also key to take advantage of games in hand. You know, I think that's one of the biggest things for us as we spoke about it in the build-up to this and everything is just being able to use it, use that to our advantage. You know, the fact that we have games in hand on everyone, and now we need to take advantage, control our own destiny. Obviously, a great uh, corner kick from Sean Wright Phillips to get to you to get it all started. Uh, yeah, no, excellent delivery. It made my life really easy. All I have to do is glance a header in. You know, it's tons of pace and exactly right on my head, so I don't have to do a lot on it. Obviously, guys, right on the, you know, get on the foot right as beginning. 15 seconds into the match, Regis put one just over the top. Obviously, that was must have been a talking point with Coach this week. To, to get them on the back foot early. Yeah, um, you know, they're on the road. They also played a game midweek and stuff like that. And so for us, it was really to set the tone and also be able to set the tone at home. I think we've done very well to do that. And I thought today was another great example of that. What is it? What was it about the chemistry between you and Jason Johnson and Regie and Sean Wright Phillips tonight that just works so well? Um, I think it's, I think, uh, you know, having played the last few games together and stuff uh, and everything has all helped it, you know. Um, it's just uh, things tend to click more and more the more you play together and everything. Uh, training during the week, working on you know patterns and different things and stuff like that, and training together with everyone, and then being able to play in games is kind of that final product. And I think this is kind of uh, sums that all up. 
Could you imagine a better comeback from the injury getting two goals in two games like this? <laughs> uh, no, pretty ideal, you know. Uh, very happy to, to be able to helping the team and, you know, helping us get results. Uh, you know, grinding out some, some ties when we're man down on the road and then being able to get some wins, you know, away at Galaxy and then now, you know, back here at home, be able to come back after a long road trip and be able to get a win for the fans. It's got to be great to also see that as many players as there are healthy and available and are, are, are being used right now as you get the big road trip coming up in a couple of weeks uh, to be able to not only just use you guys but to be able to use everybody on this roster, you know, to help you success. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we have a quality squad, you know. I think we have great depth and we can really trust anyone coming on. I think we've seen that. We've had one or two changes in the lineup in the last couple of games due to injuries or suspensions or different things. And it's uh, it's been pretty seamless with transition. It just comes down to, you know, style of play and stuff like that. But uh, I think we have plenty of guys on the bench and, and around. And that start, that all, it's a great competition for places. And also, you know, when it comes to those games and Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday and stuff like that, I think it'll be great. And we know... We know we can definitely get a lot of results going in because we have the players. Obviously, two wins, two draws in the last four games. Talk about the back line and talk about Carl and how Carl has kind of stepped up as well in these last few games with, with Josh being injured. Yeah, um, you know, it's just uh, he, he's taking advantage. You know, I think he's, he's shown it before in years previous, and we all know what he can do. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the life of a goalie is to kind of be patient sometimes. And then when your time comes, uh, you know, be able to come out and take advantage. And I think he's done well and really stepped up. Uh, Backline as well has been very solid for us and been able to really uh, grind out results and hold on to stuff. So, uh, I think they've all been doing very well and working really hard. Um, you know, in team shape, I think it reflects that as well. Sounds good. Thanks. Uh, hey guys. Obviously a key goal by you to get the second half started and get you guys really going on that on that start of the second half. Uh, I mean, that, that was the main focus. Uh, obviously, the first half, um, Cortez got us a really good um, start to the game. Um, we haven't really scored that early um, at the start of the season, so that would that was a big push for us. And um, for me to get a second goal so early in the second half, that helped us a lot in the momentum of the team. As you could see, we scored one a um, couple minutes after, but, but I think our momentum from that goal and from the first half was just too strong. Talk about what coach had you guys prepare. I mean, right off the front foot, 15 seconds into the game, Regi's firing a shot right over the top. A couple minutes later, you know, you're making a couple of great moves down the left-hand side. And is that what the, the strategy was going into this match? No, I think I think that's just the, the focus and um, and the mindset of all the players and the coaching staff um, as well. From training, um, we have we have carried out uh, all the actions that coaches want us to do and. Um, I think we have done really well. We played as a team today, and um, especially those first half, uh, I think we just focused as a team. You know, we go back to the Reno game, and you know, Coach had mentioned that you hadn't been doing your best at that point in time. You really have turned your game around since that Reno game. What what have you done to really up your game in, in recent weeks? I mean, I mean, failure could can be one of your best uh, best teachers, you know. And I think I learned a lot from that Reno game. Um, the team team depends on me to give a lot of energy and um, I try to do that day in and day out and uh, fortunate to do that today and hopefully every day from now it will be a consistent performance. So. What is it with you and, and Sean Wright and Chris and, and Alessandro that just seems to be clicking right now? Uh, I think it's just the movement, the energy, the talking, just the free flow of football and uh, Playing with each other day in day out in training has helped a lot. So just understand, understand like each player's uh, attributes 
and uh, the time, so uh, it's easier to play with them in the games. It's obviously key to get a big three points at home to start a, start a huge homestand yeah. before you guys head out on that big road trip. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next two to come, hopefully the same. We work harder this week in training to hopefully um, do even better next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And there are the comments of Coach Carterone and, and Chris Cortez and Jason Johnson. A couple of interesting things there, you know, that, that Patrice said. He's obviously scoreboard watching at this point. He knows the games that are going on, and he knows the games of importance. Uh, great to hear the comments from Patrice talking about, uh, uh, you know, even without Didier Drogba in the lineup, how you can, you know, count on the guys that are on this roster right now and how important they really are and he knows that players are battling for position and battling for playing time and he likes seeing that and that's a good thing you know and and then to hear Jason's comments about uh you know we talked about the Reno match obviously and you know when he when he got his benching and how he's improved himself since then and it's great to hear Jason you know and it's great to see what Jason's done uh uh in these past few weeks yeah, definitely an interesting comment there too about the uh, you know players battling for for starting position. You know, we're starting to see some results of that already. You know, kind of like how we've talked about Wakasa, we've been you know he's received a lot of criticism throughout the beginning of the season and uh, the past few weeks. I mean, he's stepped it up substantially, and you would think that that's probably one of the reasons he's stepping it up is because he's fighting for that starting position now. But definitely keep it up because it's it was looking pretty pretty good. We are really committing to improving the squad depth and especially younger squad depth and you know it goes to your talk about fighting for positions you know a couple names that I was thinking would be in the starting lineup uh Duji Mala coming back from suspension he didn't get on the field at all uh you're wondering maybe we'll see Sam Hamilton no he only comes on as a late game sub um and Dia who was a rock for a couple months this summer you know he ceded his starting spot to uh, Vazquez this past match and came on as a late sub. And then, you know, Josh Cohen is now, it's four games running where he hasn't been the starting keeper. So, I mean, it's great to have depth. And the fact that we're about to start playing these two-a-days, it bodes really well because we are going to be playing some teams that are also playing two matches a week and they don't have that kind of depth and they're going to be really depleted. You saw that this weekend against Sacramento. This was their third match in in a week. You're going to see it against Seattle upcoming. It'll be their second match in four days. And I just have to say, really big props for strengthening the team, building that depth that we've never had before. I think it's going to pay huge dividends down the line. Uh, Do you guys want to take us into some score highlights uh, of this past week in the USL? Yeah, let's get into uh, week 23 in the the United Soccer League this week. Uh, On Wednesday, FC Cincinnati got a big win over Ottawa 3-1. Louisville with a 5-0 win over Harrisburg. A key result in the West on Wednesday was an East-West matchup between St. Louis and Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa going down to St. Louis 2-1. That obviously helps Phoenix rising in the standings, you know, with Tulsa losing. Uh, then we had uh, San Antonio beating Vancouver one nothing on a Chris Tierpak goal, and then uh, Sacramento had come in on on a two two draw from from Swope Park Rangers, and it was first half goals from Saad and and Belmar followed up by goals from Nisha and uh, Tyler Blackwood that that got Sacramento at least a point at home against Swope. Um, going to Friday action, it was Salt Lake two Rio Grande one, which helps Phoenix Rising in the standings. 
Uh, it was goals by Haber and Velasquez that led Salt Lake City to the win. And obviously, you heard the comments of, of Patrice Carterone there earlier. He's watching the scoreboard the Friday night game. Oklahoma City beats Orange County 2-1. to one. Uh, It was an own goal that actually ended up doing in Orange County. Uh, Franco gave it. Franco gave up an own goal in the second half that ended up being the difference in that match. Um, that was obviously a key result. I mean, if, if we could have held a draw there, we might be two points closer to to, uh, to Oklahoma City. But as it is right now, we're three behind them, which is okay, not a problem. Obviously still with games in hand, of course. Get into Saturday's action, and it was in the east. It was Rochester 2, St. Louis 1. It was Toronto 3, Charlotte 2. It was Pittsburgh over Bethlehem 3-2. It was Richmond 3, Charleston 1. And Orlando 3, Louisville nothing. A game of importance in the West on Saturday. Interesting result here. A 1-0 Reno win over Swope Park Rangers. Uh, It was a hop-a-not penalty kick goal in the 10th minute. That was the difference. But boy, guys, Reno is really starting to show itself as one of the top contenders in the West, interestingly enough, with as slow a start as they had this season. Yeah, so a few thoughts here. I mean, going to the Reno one to start, that win puts Reno now in third place in the Western Conference, which is the highest they've been all year. Um, They're also not too far behind San Antonio for the second spot. There's still time left in the season for them. And they've really been on elite form ever since that first month you have to remember that for the first five weeks of this season Reno had the lowest point total in USL and then starting with that 4-0 win where they just absolutely destroyed us at home they've probably had the second best or third best record in all of USL they've been right there with Real Monarchs as far as points per game and really I don't know if there are any other teams that can match that run of form that they've had so that's incredible and then with some of the early week matchups, there were a couple late game dramatic moments. Uh, St. Louis's winner against Tulsa came right at the death. I believe that was in the 90th minute, kind of a scramble play in the box. That's a really tough result for Tulsa to take, but it helps us. Sacramento pulled out a draw with an 88th minute equalizer at home against Swope. So two bad points to drop for Swope, and I mean... That's good for Sacramento because it's better than losing at home, but um, now they're on three matches without a win. And then the San Antonio-Vancouver, yeah, it's a win for San Antonio, but it still doesn't make San Antonio fans feel too good about this result. They had several chances to double their lead or even put three in, and uh, some either poor finishing or a couple good saves, but I think mostly it was missed opportunities, and it almost cost them... Right at the end, Vancouver played a through ball, and their striker rounded David Restrepo. He really just had to, you know, take one more touch and roll the ball into the net. Or, you know, just casually put it into the net. And somehow he missed this shot. I mean, go watch the USL highlights on this match. This was around the 90th minute there. And, I mean, I don't know how you missed that chance from inside the 18 and with the keeper rounded. But, uh, you know, fortunate break for San Antonio, but... They need to put teams away, especially non-playoff teams away when they have the chances because you go against better opposition, they're going to put those goals in. And uh, it's it's a little concerning if you're a San Antonio fan. So a lot, of, a lot of close, fun results in the West this week. Not much on Saturday, but uh, 
and and then one last point too. Really, really interesting to see OKC rise from the dead. That's a huge result over Orange County. Orange County now is starting to fade a little bit. They've been on a pretty long cold streak, and uh, Oklahoma City is starting to look good for that top eight. So, games that are happening today. Uh... On Sunday, Ottawa and New York played a 2-2 draw, and currently, as we're taping, Vancouver and L.A. are in action. So that will end up wrapping up Week 23 in the USL. So that will get us to the standings. Matt, you want to take us through where everybody's at as we hit the end of Week 23? For the Western Conference, uh, no change here. No surprise, Real Monarchs still holding on to first place. They got that... uh pretty securely there with 55 points san antonio in second place with 45 points uh reno that we just talked about they're in third place uh with 42 points and swope park rangers is um also tied with them for 42 points uh reno has won the last four matches uh fifth place is sacramento who just lost to us last night they have 35 points currently and have not won a match in three um then in sixth place we have tulsa roughnecks with 33 points Seventh place, Colorado Springs with 33 points. And eighth place, Oklahoma City with 33 points. So we got a uh, bunch up there at 33 points in the last few spots of the top half of the table. And getting into the bottom half of the table, Phoenix Rising. Uh, we are now in ninth place with 30 points, having played 21 games. So we still have a few matches in hand, as we've been saying for a while. So that will start to catch up here in the next uh, month or so. Uh, 10th place is Seattle Sounders, too, who we will be facing next week. They are at 29 points, have played uh, three matches more than us so far. 11th place is Orange County at 29 points. 12th place is Rio Grande Valley at 27. Los Dos at 13th place with 23 points. And 14th place is Vancouver Whitecaps with 20 points. And at the bottom of the table is T2 with 9 points. All right, so that, that'll do it for the Western Conference standings. As, as Jeff had mentioned, we still have one match to play, but where Phoenix is at now is going to carry through to next week. So let's uh, look and see how that pans out for us. Uh, now let's get into some discussions about some uh, some roster updates and changes. We had a new signing this week for midfielder Gladson Awako, um, who has a connection with Patrice Carderon, playing with him previously. Um, and the club also finally uh, released an official announcement about Omar Bravo, who uh, many of us have been wondering about for the past few weeks. Uh, so, guys, let's get started with the addition of Gladson Iwako. Uh What do you guys think of him? Have you seen any of his uh, previous playing or any of his highlights or anything like that yet? I haven't really seen too many of his highlights. Uh, I do see that he's only 5 feet 5 inches tall. So, um, as Aaron Blau's Firebird Rising article mentioned, that'll create a brotherhood with him, SWP, and Alessandro Rigi in the midfield. So that's kind of a fun thing. Uh, one thing that is worth mentioning, uh, you know, he played for TP Mazembe, which is one of the better clubs in Africa, a team that regularly makes African Champions League. So, you know, as far as will his skill level adjust to USL, I think he'll be just fine. He's also 26, so he's really in the prime of his career. Um, and he should have, should he stay in Phoenix, at least a few more good years up up next. Uh, and, I mean, really, I'm sure you guys can expand on this, but we've been nailing this hammer, or, uh, you know, hammering this in, so to speak. This is now our third signing out of Africa after the signing of Didier Drogba, all three of which have happened in the last three months. I cannot stress enough how huge 
Didier Drogba's presence is for bringing in talent from Africa. And if we do get that MLS expansion, we might be the destination for, you know, young African talent stateside, especially if Didier Drogba stays on as a technical director. Yeah, that could be quite interesting, you know. I mean, even this week, even as as Didier Drogba is, is still nursing his injury uh, from a couple of weeks ago, he, he uh, posted an Instagram about uh, being back over in London at Chelsea uh, doing some things. So, you know, I'm sure he's working his, his magic over there, uh, trying to find some talent as well, and talking to some players over that way as well about coming to the states possibly seeing what uh what guys like uh alessandro region and sean Wright phillips and and seeing what some of these guys can can do over here in the states so i'm sure he's he's using his his uh his prowess there to uh to to make some things happen as well and and one last point here too that i just noticed um he actually played under patrice carteron at tp mazembe so uh, you know that when he's coming in, he has a good relationship with the manager. Patrice Carteron knows his strengths, his weaknesses, how to best utilize him, which is something that cannot be said about a lot of the other signings, and he still made them work. Um, so it'll just be nice to know that he already has some familiarity coming in. It's not going to be like he's entering this completely uncharted waters. Uh, kind of nice to see Carteron definitely having a voice in these signings because this one really shows it yeah and it's nice to see the front office is still uh trying to make changes to put that perfect starting 11 t- together you know um we've seen a lot of different uh so-called experiments or different you know trying different players out in different positions and i think things are starting to work out and i think we're starting to to form the team that we need um to make the season successful with that being said, too, there was also the news about Omar Bravo, and the decision that was made about Omar Bravo does have a factor in with the Glats and Awako coming to Phoenix Rising. Um, Omar Bravo was, has been inactive on Phoenix Rising's roster for the past few weeks, and with him being inactive, this does open up one international position for Phoenix to utilize, for example, to bring over Glats and Awako. Um, and Omar Bravo still will be remaining with the team, um, I believe, at like a uh training level to kind of help out some of the younger players to train with them you know pass along his advice his knowledge i mean he he had a good performance in his past seasons past career um unfortunately didn't have much luck here in phoenix so what are your guys thoughts on the omar bravo announcement i mean it was long overdue i mean we we could see kind of see the writing on the wall when patrice had shown up that that omar really didn't fit uh, uh patrice's style of play i mean the one thing I think you worry about more than anything else, how does this hurt the, the Hispanic, uh, crowd or, you know, how does, how does this play with them? I mean, I'm sure they're probably not thrilled of the decision that he's made to, to leave the team or, you know, to not be involved in the the everyday normal operations of the team, you know, but I, I think people could see as time was going on that, this just didn't end. I mean, I think he was a fit under Frank Yallop's system, but he wasn't a fit under Patrice Carteron's system. I think we all understand that, you know, but, uh, you know, we, we, we wish Omar the best. You know, he was obviously, you know, professional in everything he did with the club and trying to promote the club, but obviously the club has decided to go in a different direction. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is like you were saying. It it was largely overdue, and you know, he served a purpose. You know, it helped put butts in seats early in the season before the Drogba signing. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's kind of like Mike Seth before him. The team's plans have changed on the go pretty quickly, and once Carterone came in, and once we you know bring in Drogba, and then. Cortez comes back from injury and looks as good as he does, and Johnson's made the leap. Well, you go from having not enough quality starting options up front to having too many. And, you know, when you compare what's happening on the field for Jason Johnson and for Cortez and for Drogba with what was happening on the field for Bravo, you know, I don't think that you can really have any argument about it. Uh, Bravo just has not shown the quality this season to merit a spot on our playing roster. He is going to continue training with the team. I think that's good. And I'm sure that another team would love to give him a chance next season. So, I mean, we really do. I think it's very important to note that we should appreciate what he did for us uh, for being such a public face of our franchise, especially in the early going, you know, for being big with getting advertising out, for showing up on commercials, doing TV interviews, taking pictures with fans i think all of that's fantastic but at the end of the day soccer is a business and uh you know unfortunately sometimes you have to drop a player that's just how it goes if you want to win matches sometimes glad to see that he will be you know staying with the team on a training level um to support you know some of those younger players so now we want to get into the topic that is probably on everybody's mind uh last night as you may have heard um the supporters group Los Bandidos um, had a sign that says, I believe it was stop racism or end racism, uh, some other drawings on there, and they were asked by security and the ownership to remove the sign uh, because I believe there was a crossed out swastika on the sign. The Bandidos you know, did not want to remove the sign because of the message that it portrayed, um, and they ended up walking out of the match. Uh, Dominic, Jeff, what were your guys' thoughts on this Uh any kind of updates on the, the situation from Phoenix Rising? You know, they, they unfurl the banner. It says stop racism. There are four things crossed out. There is a swastika with a, you know, circle and a, a mark through it. Um, KKK, those letters are crossed out. A WP for white power crossed out. And what I had originally thought was like a target for police targeting, but it turns out it's actually a, a Celtic cross which is used by some white supremacist groups in Northern Ireland. Um, that was another symbol that was crossed out. So those were the four things on the right side of the banner, stop racism in bigger letters on the left. And so at halftime, the security guard who had been down there uh, talks to a couple of the banditos uh, leaders kind of in the front row and it just seemed like there was pretty bad communication going on. He tells them, look, you need to take down this banner, but there was not a quality explanation given. The explanation he gave the banditos is, there is a business partner who uh, felt uncomfortable about the sign, and so, to be clear, the banditos were not asked to leave, they were not being kicked out, but they were asked to remove the sign, and so the vast majority of the banditos because of this, said, you know, if you're going to make us take down this sign, we might as well take down all of our signs. 
we're going to walk out on principle because we have posted things that are more political during the season, things like refugees welcome, uh, a couple other banners, and not once had they been asked to remove one. And you would think that something that says stop racism would be fairly non-controversial. So they released a statement, and I will read it. And this is more in the immediate aftermath. This is before the Phoenix Rising front office responded with a statement today. And this is, this is the Los Bandidos one. Uh, in Spanish and English, I'll just read it in English. Today we made a special banner specifically because of the events that have been happening recently. It said stop racism with hate symbols crossed out. That was it. Apparently the team was asked by a business partner if we could take that banner down. To which he said, if that one goes down, they all go down. At which point, we left. This is where we draw a line, implying that racism is fine, is concerning. Everyone in the club and the USL needs to have a think about what it is that football stands for. They need to have a think about what kind of example we're setting for everyone. To the players, we give our all to you, our songs, our banners, our effort is to help you. Values are not for sale. And that's it. So then, uh, you know, that kind of started a storm of tweets and responses and whatnot. Uh, the Sacramento supporters group, their traveling fans, they sent a message shortly afterwards. And I'm trying to pull that one up right now. But it should not be too long. Give me a few moments. So basically, their response was, you know, sorry that we stand with Bandidos Phoenix. Sorry your club is afraid to take a stance against hate. This is the Tower Bridge Battalion, the official Sacramento Republic traveling fan page. And they're, they're, they also had an image on this, and the image was a TIFO. It appears to be a TIFO that says, Smash Racism, Stop Hate. A pretty big TIFO, much bigger than our banner yesterday, and it shows a fist smashing a swastika. Apparently, they were allowed to bring this into the match. I don't know if it just wasn't caught on cameras, if they were just freely able to display it, or if, um, you know, they they just... Maybe it's a difference between a TIFO versus a banner, and the TIFO wasn't showing on TV, so they were allowed to do it. Or it could just be that, you know, Sacramento is a little, a little bit more liberal than Phoenix. Um, there are some possible explanations there. But this got a ton of retweets, of favorites, and this stirred the conversation even more. Then this morning, before the team made its official statement, shortly before the team made its official statement, by the way, um, a very interesting uh, statement by Rising in America. This is the group that has been donating tickets to refugees all season long, um, you know, between 20 and 40 tickets a match, which is fantastic. Uh, however, this was their response. In the wake of the Phoenix Rising Football Club asking Bandidos, an independent supporters group, to remove its banner that read Stop Racism from being hung in its stadium during Saturday night's home match, Rising in America has decided to suspend its program, which raises funds that go straight to Phoenix Rising to buy tickets for refugee families in Phoenix. This action contradicts our intrinsic values. Rising in America does not believe being against racism is political. We believe it is a value all people should embrace no matter the setting and expressing that value should be welcomed anywhere and at any time among the hardships that refugees face. Racism is among them. 
Phoenix Rising's decision does not send a great message to people who have and may have faced racism in their own lives or to anyone. The Rising in America program helps Phoenix Rising sell more tickets, and 100% of the money that buys those tickets goes directly to Phoenix Rising. We cannot and will not, in good conscience, continue to monetarily support an organization that decided to suppress an anti-racism message. Rising in America is looking forward to Phoenix Rising's transparent explanation and statement of its decision, its action, and its future stance. Um, and it, you know, gives a couple more sentences, but that's the gist of it. That statement coming from Odin Domingo, who was the founder of Rising in America. And again, important to remember, this is before the team released its official statement later this afternoon. So Jeff, why don't you give us the team's response? Well, here's here's the team's response uh, that we got this afternoon. Uh, last night, in order to comply with USL Stadium regulations and Phoenix Rising Football Club safety policies, our front office asked a supporters group, Los Bandidos, to remove a banner displaying a crossed-out swastika. Although the purpose of the banner was to stop racism, which is a permitted mess, which is permitted as a message in our stadium. Baiting artwork such as a crossed-out swastika invites the most disgusting element in our society to deliver a thuggish rejoiner which has no place in our stadium. Phoenix Rising FC did not intend for our friends from Los Bandidos to leave our stadium and apologize for our communications during the match, did not properly demonstrate our respect and appreciation for its members. In fact, Phoenix Rising FC fully and unequivocally supports the stop racism sentiment of the banner and believes all people should be treated equally and with love. Phoenix Rising Football Club strongly denounces the heinous actions we've we've seen per- perpetrated by hate groups in the United States in recent weeks, and we want to be clear with our fans of all races and backgrounds that we fully stand with them. And that's the statement from the Phoenix Rising Football Club. Uh, after all of this went down. So uh, I will open it up to the discussion, guys. Um, it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting walk you have to take on this. I mean, on one hand, you don't want to upset people. On the other hand, you don't want people thinking that this is a bad situation. But unfortunately, uh, something has come to a head, and, and it'll be interesting in the next couple of days to really see what the response of, of both of these uh, groups are going to be. I mean, you know, will Banditos come back with another reply and saying anything? Will Phoenix Rising say anything else at this point? It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens the next few days. You know, maybe this situation could have been contained a little bit better, um, you know, if it maybe communication would have um, came through the correct channel. I mean, I wasn't a part of it, so I can't really say what did or what did not happen. Um, you know, it would have been maybe nice to see some maybe compromise where, hey, you can keep up the sign, but just cover up this part. Or, you know, for net for future reference, please, you know, omit artwork from your, your sign, um, you know, and you're allowed to post the uh, sign that says stop racism. As I said, that is a permitted message within their stadium. Um, so it, to me, it just looks like a communication failure um you know we did hear some some comments about this may have came from a sponsor you know i haven't seen anything that confirms that yet so you know it's hard to say but it you know situation gets a little stickier there if that that was a decision from a sponsor um those are just kind of my thoughts on that and hopefully hopefully los banditos uh will return to the next home match because uh we do certainly enjoy hearing them over in the supporter section 
yeah, no argument there. It was it was definitely um, we were definitely missing a voice during that second half in the supporters section. There was a literal hole that they left uh, several roll, rows of empty seats. So, um, in light of the team's response, you know, hopefully that is enough for a lot of people. You know, it might not be enough for some, but we would love to have Banditos at you know the rest of our home matches because this could be a great end to the season. Yeah, it's just you know I, you you hate to see situations like this come up in in all you know in all sports, no matter whether it's soccer, football, basketball, baseball, whatever it may be. You know, you hate to see these situations. They're going to pop up. They're going to happen. You know, I think obviously Phoenix Rising has taken a proactive approach in coming out and speaking about what it was exactly that happened last night. Obviously, the communication obviously is a key issue. You know, and and I think that's something that that obviously is still developing. You know, you think about back in the beginning of the season when when there were parking issues, and it, you know, then they came out with a statement saying we'd like to do this a little bit better, or we'd like to do this better. You know, obviously communication is key. You know, we're thankful that Phoenix Rising has gotten out a statement. I think they need to have, you know, I think they need to have steps in, a, you know, in which they, they have people that are on their staff that are delegated to handle handling situations like this. I don't know if that was the case in this situation last night. But, you know, I think going forward, I think this, this may be a learning curve as to, okay, we need to have X person be the spokesman handling this situation if it comes up and sit down and talk with them and explain to them what's going on. I think they'll learn things as they go on through this entire process. You know, um, I'm sure that David Rappaport, one of the minority owners, will definitely be having a talk with with both uh, the Banditos and with LFR, kind of talking with them about this situation. Because obviously David... You know, has his has his his phone calls with the supporters groups every couple of weeks. So maybe he's going to have an early one this week to kind of d- to diffuse the situation and kind of get that figured out. And David did say on his Facebook post uh, after all these statements have been released this afternoon that David will be in attendance uh, for Saturday night's game against Seattle, and he plans to be there early. So I think it's good to see some of the minority owners kind of stepping up and taking the ball and saying, "Okay, let's get this situation handled quickly. Let's let's talk it all out and let's make it uh, work out the best for everybody." But uh, you know, yeah, I agree. I hate to see the Banditos not be there. Obviously, you know, you guys sat in the supporters section last night and and definitely had the experience of of them not being there. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully this will all kind of work itself out in the in the upcoming days. And I think that'll bring us into our final points. Matt, would you like to start it out? Just kind of touch on the, the Los Banditos topic. As my final thought on that, we all know Phoenix Rising's ownership, and we all support all the decisions, uh, for the most part, that they made this season. Uh, as Jeff brought up, you know, it's a learning process, and when they there have been issues, they've been quick to resolve this. That being said, we know that this decision from Phoenix Rising um, was not ill-intended because of the ownership group and um, just the character of the people in that group. Um, kind of goes down to a, a communication breakdown. Uh, but like we said, we hope this can all kind of get put you know, behind us. They can talk it out, and um, hopefully Los Banditos will return 
to the supporter section next week. We'll also look forward to David Rappaport um, being there early to talk with any of the fans that might have any questions about the uh, situation. So my final thoughts for this week's match, I mean, we talked about it before. This was by far, in my opinion, uh, the best match we've played all season. Uh, just right from right from the gate, they looked good. I mean, um, they had a shot on goal in 15 seconds. Uh, our first goal was in the 10th minute. I believe that was the earliest goal we've had all season. Um, so just that level of energy was great. Uh, we've had a, a, so many players step up over the past few weeks. Um, Cody Wakasa, who you know we've criticized and who's picked up criticism from others um, at the beginning of the season. Uh, Stewart did great again. Ramage has continued to be solid in that back for us. Uh, Waz as goalkeeper, he's done a tremendous job. I think um, he did a pretty good job last night. Um, and then, of course, you know, offensively, you have Regi and uh, Jason Johnson who have really stepped it up, and they continue to show us that every week. So I'm liking what I'm seeing, especially heading into this, uh, you know, quote-unquote easier stretch that we've been talking about and been been waiting for for a while. So I think this is going to be an exciting uh, upcoming few weeks. Uh, Jeff, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, I'll kind of echo the sentiments of, of you as far as the uh... – the, the play of the team goes. I mean, obviously, we've we've seen a definite shift in in philosophy and change uh, with Patrice Carteron coming in and and taking over the reins. Uh, you know, obviously making some key moves and getting a, a Kevon Lambert, getting uh, a Duigi Mala, getting uh, a Sam Hamilton. Uh, you know, getting getting the guys that he needs. You know, and it's obviously great to see that we don't always necessarily have to depend on, on Didier Drogba and we don't have to depend on Sean Wright Phillips. And we don't, you know, we don't have to depend on guys that, that are aging, but yet have produced quite well for this club over the past few weeks. I'm great to see the competition that's going on between the players. Um, obviously, you know, we didn't necessarily talk about it during most of this podcast, but you know, Carl's getting his chance now because of a, an injury to, to Josh Cohen. So, and, and Waz is making the best of his opportunity, but it, you know, it's great to see now that you've got Carl Wazinski playing to form. You'll have Josh Cohen maybe back in the next week or two after his injury back into form. I tell you guys, two tough goaltenders going into this last stretch of games. I mean, you know, you can't expect, one, two, three, four players to be playing all, you know, five games of this upcoming stretch. You know, you're going to rely on this entire 25, 26 man roster, and it will definitely be showing as they head out on that Cascadia trip in a week and a half. So, you know, for me, my thought, you know, great effort. I mean, that was, we talked about that, that, you know, if we could get a draw out of Sacramento, we'd be happy. The three points is going to be huge, guys. I think, you know, we finish with wins against Seattle and Orange County, and, boy, we are really on the front foot as we head to that trip. And and you want to talk about maybe being a top-five team in this conference by the end of the season? I think we could be there, you know, with this stretch of games. Yeah, and uh, that'll, that'll go into my final point. Um, you know, again, I think the primary thing that you have to take away from this week is – what an amazing performance from Phoenix. And we have so many home games coming up still that, you know, whatever your take on the Bandito situation, you know, come support the team because they deserve our support. It looks like they're really on the brink of making a humongous push, not just into the playoffs, but to really, 
get a top five finish in the West, which would by far be our best season, set a franchise points record single season. You know, really, you have the chance to be part of something historic if you do come to these last matches of the season. Uh, with that being said, I did talk a little bit off air with Jeff and Matt about, you know, some things to take away from this situation regarding Banditos because there is a lot to unpack. And uh, this this really goes to my takeaway is just that there has to be better communication between the front office and fans in this situation because, look, the field is on private property. The team owns the stadium. They have the right to determine their policies, and that's fine. you know. However, the fans, if you're going to rely on them for so much support and you know, constantly shout them out and have national articles written about them. The very least you can do is have a front office representative or at least a team employee come down to the supporter section, explain the policy, the USL policy, the team policy, explain why they are asking the banner to be removed. Um, you know, even give them an option to maybe just cover that swastika and keep the stop racism message from the banner up. You know, that is at least the very minimum that a supporters group like the Banditos is entitled to. And I don't know why that message was not relayed from the front office down to the security guard because how it went down in real time is just that the security guard was telling them they need to take this banner down. There was no explanation like was provided in today's statement. And I think that that sort of an explanation would have gone a long ways towards making it a more peaceful, a more amicable situation where people's passions weren't so aroused over the last 24 hours. And now you have people threatening to not support the team anymore. You know, I think that's a rash reaction too, but one can certainly understand given the frustration of how that went I mean even if you don't have the opportunity to send a representative down and explain that team policy then the alternative would be just wait until the match ends and then send an email to someone with bad dinos or have a team representative say look we'd like to talk to you about this this is unfortunately the policy and we have to abide by it would you be willing in the future to abide by it because you know making them take the banner down mid-game it just, why wasn't that going to happen before the game started? Why not after the game started? Why do you have to do that midway when people are very excited about the match? Um, there's really no explanation given for this policy until almost 24 hours later. And, you know, the response is definitely understandable. But if I'm a, if I'm a supporter, I'm saying, you know, where was that response 18 hours earlier? when it would have made a lot more sense and it would have avoided a lot of the drama because, you know, for many hours afterwards, the even in the Los Bandidos official statement, it was their understanding that it was a business partner who was uncomfortable with the sign and not the Phoenix Rising response, which was, you know, we actually had to comply with policy. So, I mean, and this goes for everything, but I think especially in these kinds of situations, just communication is key and uh the ownership group in general has done a fantastic job of that and it's also really difficult because you have to consider this is the first season where we have so many eyeballs on our team 
thousands of people watching these online streams, thousands in the stadium, more business partners than we've ever had before. So I think you have to give the front office a little bit of leeway there because really everyone's learning on the fly this season. But uh, with that being said, if these kinds of situations arise in the future, I think the least that you can do is have a person-to-person interaction and actually explain what the policy is and why it needs to be enforced and what kind of alternatives there are um, because it really puts everyone in a difficult spot if it happens the way it did last night where, you know, poor security guard has to tell people to bring this banner down. He doesn't have a lot of context here. He doesn't give, he's not given an explanation. Um, And, you know, the front office and the fans are just coming from very different viewpoints on this issue. So, um, that that's all I have to say. I mean, good response from the team. Maybe not perfect, but uh, I, I'm sure that they will make this right in the days and weeks to come. And again, come come to our matches because we are playing great soccer right now. Well said, Dominic. Um, yeah, last night um, had a pretty good turnout, I thought. So um, anyways, that'll do it for us for this week's episode of Rising as One Podcast. Give us some ratings on iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, send us a message on Twitter at RisingPod. And that'll do it for us. Thanks for listening, and go Rising. Go Rising. Have a great week, everybody. Go!